Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. State of the Empire is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. And is brought to you in part by Consequence of Sound, the web's foremost source for music and film news, reviews, and insights. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to State of the Empire, the Star Wars speculation podcast where we look for news in Alderaan places. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Doug. Hey, I'm Matt. In this episode, we're going to be talking all about Star Wars Rebels. Now, we took a little bit of an unscheduled hiatus in the earlier portion of the year, and that means that we missed out on the opportunity to talk to you about all the stuff that was hinted to and happening in the later half of Rebels Season 3, but also... Well, since we uh, picked up recording again, we've been to Star Wars Celebration. You can listen to our prior episode for the vast majority of that experience, but we saved most of the Rebels content for here and now in this episode. We're going to talk very candidly, very spoilerifically about the second half of Rebel Season 3, all of the things we saw, our reactions to how they went down, and our speculations as to what's to come, and then... We're going to open those blast doors and we are going to tell you everything we saw when Matt and I witnessed the debut episode of Rebels Season 4 at Star Wars Celebration. So from now on, it is all blast doors, but two kinds of blast doors. <laughs> those make it even more confusing. <laughs> I was like, airlock, outer airlock. I'll make it a, We're going to put you out the airlock. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so before we go, remember, if you like this show, then we need your help. You're our only hope. We need you to rate and review us on iTunes, like and follow us on SoundCloud or Audio Boom, wherever you listen to State of the Empire. Give us some love. Tell a friend. Toss us a review if you can. We need more people to listen to the show. And uh, that's all on you, folks. If you love the show, we need your help. If you love it so much that you want to support us, cool. Head to patreon.com slash nerdy show and chip in there. At $5 or more, you'll get a ton of bonus perks from State of the Empire. All right, Rebel Season 3. We're telling you for months... Obi-Wan Kenobi's going to be in this. He's going to fight Darth Maul. We did not understand how exactly that was going to go down. We had all kinds of crazy theories. We thought they were probably going to pull in Ewan McGregor to voice him because he expressed some degree of interest in returning to the character. And you thought, like, Ray Park was going to get motion captured for shit? We did. Yeah. And yet, Ray Park did... Ray Park had a tweet that said that, hey, Obi-Wan and Maul, that's not done. And he was right. I mean, somebody told him. How how was he privy to that? I, I gotta know. Like, at some point, we need to find out how he was... Pre- like, why Why would Lucasfilm let him know? You know, he was he was at Celebration. Yeah. We, didn't get in the, we didn't get in the signature line. We probably should have. That would actually be really uh, he, fun. He also had a panel. It was uh, prepare to be mauled. Yeah. And, where where uh, I understand some cool stuff happened. Yeah. Yes, I saw I saw that part. Why yeah. don't you tell us about what happened? Uh, uh, well, basically, the coolest part that happened was um, Warwick was hosting it, and he wanted to pull some people out of the audience up on stage to, like to reenact the final battle of the phantom menace with ray park he got like a double bladed saber and he started doing the moves and then they pulled a person out of the audience who was dressed as qui-gon jinn who played the part of qui-gon jinn and they had all these other little kids these little younglings uh come up on stage and they held out saran wrap and uh, uh, to to be these force uh, shields, what, are the, what were they? The shield, I don't know what that was. The yeah, the moving, the, mo- some, the moving, the moving force fields, some that, sort that, of ray shield. Yeah, that's that separated Obi Wan and uh, uh, 
from from Darth Maul and Warwick himself played the part of Obi-Wan. And basically uh they said, "All right, now let's do this. 3 2 1 go." And then they did like a quick 2 second rehearsal to like you know move like four lightsaber moves and then he stabs the guy who was playing Qui-Gon, he falls. And then Warwick goes, "No!" And then he like bursts, he tries to he tries to burst through this like saran wrap that the kids are holding with his lightsaber and he just runs it at Ray Park and in that moment of him screaming no and running with a full size lightsaber towards towards this enemy, I got like a flashback to Willow, but just by the way he ran and the way he was yelling and he was like, I mean, granted he was play, he's just playing a game, but he's playing a pretend, but it was acting. And in that moment, I saw it. Uh, then he fought him and true uh, true to the form of the story, he knocks him off of the stage. Of course, it was he didn't actually knock him off the stage. He crawled down off the stage, was dangling. Poor Warwick is hanging on the you know the side of the stage. And uh, the audience uh, helped lift him back up for the for when he flipped over him, but he didn't actually flip over him. He just sort of ran like around him and then stabbed him and, and did the whole thing. But it was it was really charming and seemed like they were having a lot of fun and the kids liked it and it was funny. It was good. So someday we'll talk to Ray Park and we'll ask him how the fuck did you know about that? Seriously. Yeah, like that. So like that happened, but they didn't talk about you know <laughs> the rebels or, or anything we also like that. saw during this uh, during this time that State of the Empire was off the air the Rogue One tie-in featuring Saw Gerrera. Mm. With uh, with Forrest Whitaker reprising his role from the film, and uh, the addition of Mon Mothma to the cast, and uh, oh my God, a huge bunch of arcs involving the dark saber from the Clone Wars. Yeah, I, that that came out of nowhere, right? It really did. Yeah. But it was amazing, the whole thing. And yes. I haven't even seen the Clone Wars. I don't even have context. Yeah, well, I, the dark saber's introduction in Clone Wars. I mean, pre Visla, John Favreau's character. Uh, I mean, really, our first real exposure to Mandalorians in Clone Wars. I mean, he, you know, busts out the dark saber and he says that this was this weapon was taken off of, you know, Jedi from long ago, and essentially it was just passed down, you know, basically as kind of a, you know, victory trophy. trophy. Yeah. And now, kind of, I guess, Rebels sort of like more firmly established that like Mandalorian leadership sort of rallies around this thing. So it, it went from kind of a weird relic item to being like a governmental like you know, a scepter almost exactly. of like symbol of power and um kind of a lore change it seemed unless there was something i was missing um from clone wars but like it really got very important i mean it's got a black blade so that's pretty cool and a cool sound to it um but uh just i mean if you want to back up real quick to to saw guerrera yeah. i just want to say like that talk about like rebels blue balls like huh yeah, i mean no kidding the episode is called ghost of genosis and it tied into an event that has been uh hinted to in a number of different pieces of media yeah the, uh, and it's, it's extremely important in star wars continuity the extinction of the genosian race yes and and also the uh, so i mean once again they just give you you know enough to make you really intrigued by what the empire is doing you know, over geonosis and and extinction or genocide, a genocide. I mean, yeah, really, genocide. They... Sure. Mm. And um, and also that that may not be necessarily true because we it looks like we have some some geonosians left over, which was an interesting. Um, I don't know if that was like a Disney backpedal to not be too dark or you know just something that they're planning <laughs> they to do killed later. All but three, so it's not as dark. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, I don't know how like that makes the, it less dark. Like their culture can continue. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, but. So Saw Gerrera, his backstory from the the visual, I believe it was the visual guide to Rogue One, was that he was using the breath mask due to some inhalation of uh, Genosian pesticide. Yeah, pesticide. Uh Uh, So, and in this episode, we go. It's a two parter. We go deep within Genosha and see, or Genosis, and and see these huge tankers that have been planted. Like they're an insect race. They've been planted like at the base of their hive. By the Imperials. There's Imperial logos on them. The Rebels are actually trying to capture them as proof to show to the Senate, look what has been done here. Yeah, and so the pesticide is there. Saw Gerrera is there. And yet, he goes away without in- inhaling any pesticide. So, you know, the whole mask thing that I thought was coming up never happened. Also, like, Saw's voice was... I mean, obviously, I know a lot probably has to do with the you know his accident, so to speak. But, like, even the Saw Gerrera that we hear over the intercom or the, you know, the comm link in the, the Urso homestead, that was still much different than the way Forrest Whitaker was voicing him in uh, Rebels. Which so points to... That this was done before all of the reshoots. I think Saw's character went through 
possibly the most significant of changes in Rogue One. And so I think this episode may have been done pre those changes. Yeah, and we will, as we mentioned in a prior episode, uh, we are going to be doing a whole Rogue One post-mortem. You already heard our review immediately after seeing the film in December, but it's been about five months, and uh, we have learned a lot more, um, both from from leaks, from articles, and from panels at Star Wars Celebration. So we're going to be talking about that extensively um, pretty soon. Um, I have a quote from Kathleen Kennedy pertaining to this specifically. She says, To be honest, we originally thought we were going to develop uh, Saw into something much larger, but we couldn't accommodate it. So he's not in the movie as much as we would like to have been in the movie, which creates the opportunity to explore his character even further in our future development. Interesting. Something much bigger. I, I wonder what exactly that is. And that almost sounds like when she's like, oh, but we can't. And so you're like, oh, okay, so you lost Forrest Whitaker's involvement in future movies, like contractually maybe. And then they're like, yeah, but you know, Forrest Whitaker's still sort of like on board with like reprising his role. Because he likes Star Wars. Because he likes Star Wars and he likes Saw Gerrera. So I don't think that's the issue. I wonder I wonder what they... What... Uh, yeah. And this 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 edition of him in the, in this episode here, which and we know that Rebels episodes take a hella long time to make. So this was definitely like if something did change about about what was happening in uh, yeah, they, Rogue One, they, they wouldn't have been able to change much of it for Rebels. They wouldn't have been able to change anything yeah. hardly. Dave Filoni worked with the story group, like Kiri Hart, uh, especially, and Gareth Edwards to come up with Saw Gerrera's backstory. Yeah, and I mean, Forrest Whitaker is coming back to reprise his role in season four. Yeah, which maybe to do just to do damage control. For what they've already done. Yeah, time time yeah. to suck up those pesticides there, Saw. So they're probably going to find he's probably going to be a pesticide junkie. Well, I mean, the pesticide thing, they can sort of go like the 9-11 first responder route, you know, where like he was exposed to it, but it just, you know, in the moment. He, I mean, because you're breathing in, even if it's, it's not like, he didn't literally just breathe in the pesticides no, not, as much not, as, not that I expected. You know. I just expected there to be an accident right. in that episode. But if he's in the tunnels where they released it for over, over years, probably, it, they, it took to do this. I mean, I mean, maybe. I mean, that might have been. I mean, he. It looked like he had been embedded on Geonosis for a little while there. Yeah. I mean, they could, they could, they could absolutely retcon it, but it just seems like it was very clear that this didn't go down the way they anticipated. Yeah, it was yes. Go down. Yeah. Um, and uh, and we should also mention that uh, the Rebels was announced uh, to be ending with season four. If you haven't caught that news, so uh, we'll probably be bringing that up uh, in, mm-hmm. to come because we had because that you know that tells us that they could tell other stories with Saw Gerrera at other times but in all likelihood the last time we're going to see Forrest Whitaker perform that character is going to be in however many appearances he has in Rebel Season 4 mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing nothing, nothing before shave the head and go back to uh, <laughs> him and Two Tubes hanging out oh yeah and Two Tubes is going to be in it which is really cool his his old pal from, from Rogue One is going to be in I his, feel in like his Two Tubes is, might be like the sort of like alien fan favorite like the sort of side character fan favorite to come out of Rogue One he was the Constable Zuvio of Rogue One yeah he was he was the dream of Constable Zuvio <laughs> realized <laughs> well it's funny because I think they kind of expected it to be one of the rebel soldiers like Power um, Biston I think it was his name like the you know the space monkey or the yeah, uh, the yeah. you know the reptilian guy, and I think it ended up being two tubes. Well, pal, pal, those folks they didn't they didn't get they just didn't get as much screen time as two tubes did. Yeah, two tubes really formidable in beating Rogue One. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a little clip from the uh, from the Rogue One guide. This is not a direct quote, but it pertains to what we've what we heard here. Um, when the Geonosians first started planning to build a separate a super a super weapon powered by a kyber crystal. It was largely kept secret until Geonosian ruler Poggle the Lesser was captured by Anakin Skywalker during the Clone Wars. After the Clone Wars came to an end and the Emperor rose, Willif Tarkin learned of the theoretical weapon and became enamored with it, championing it to Palpatine, who of course just so happened to have the Geonosian's original plans thanks to his alter ego as Darth Sidious. Construction of the physical frame of the weapon began over Geonosis with the help of Geonosian labor. With the framework done, the only problem remaining was refinement of the kyber crystal energy source to power the facility's super laser. In order to keep the weapon secret while it worked on that conundrum, the Emperor sterilized the entirety of Geonosis, wiping out its population of billions. No notes on uh, how they made that giant kyber crystal bleed. <laughs> he didn't want to do that, you know, because that's what Sith do. Well... It wasn't a red laser. It was a. That's what I'm saying. Why wasn't it a red laser? That's what said. It's, it's a giant kyber crystal. And you're gonna make it bleed. And if there was one thing that they really never had to go into, it was that lightsaber bleeding. Yeah. I mean, they really just did. They could have not done it that. It ruined yeah. every 
everything. <laughs> it doesn't even ruin anything. It just Star makes it dumb. Star Wars is broken. It, it makes it overcomplicated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, it took something that was simple, that had a simple explanation, and makes it needlessly overcomplicated. It, it, it's also, I mean, and once they, I mean, this kind of goes back into our, you know, previous discussions about uh, where they could be possibly taking the philosophy of the Force, and and I think Rebels actually gets into a lot, it a lot. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah. With, you know, with Bendu and everything else is once you establish that like the dark side does something to a lightsaber crystal that makes like a binary spectrum of yes, the way the force yes. works like the only philosophy that's possible i mean yeah. i guess maybe you could explain it some other way but if only the dark side of the force can bleed a, a crystal red that's what i say like was the bandu is like he is it turned purple because he's like is that why mace windows was purple because he's like kind of a Windu, gray jedi mace he's a bandu oh, oh shit <laughs> mace windows a gray jedi in disguise as a Jedi. No more gray Jedi. We have to confirmed get... purple lightsaber, Ma- blue and red mixed together. Mace Windu is a secret Force moose. Confirmed. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> the Bendu was a big part of this season. Yes. Um, and he represents such a. Cr- if you go back to our celebration episode, we talk about also the Force Awaken or the For- the Last Jedi trailer, and uh, and and Luke's narration there about you know ending the Jedi. And. Bendu's narrative is such a significant part of how the story group is seeding that plot thread throughout Star Wars media right now. Because Bendu is a gray spectrum force wielder in his ambivalence. Yeah. He he is like, hands off, don't touch me. I'm an isolationist. He has incredible power. Absolutely preposterous power. He can control the weather. He turns <laughs> into a storm, Doug. He turns it's, into a- he's like the it's like the giant turtle in never ending story. <laughs> basically so but bendu he doesn't care about about anything at all he's like a total nihilist doesn't even care that he doesn't care yeah and he i mean he uses he when he says the the phrase jedi knight he says it with such derision like yeah. like i mean really just and and hearing these points of view on the force that that are different from jedi and sith are like one of the most interesting things to me yeah so that's why i'm like Anything, anything Bindu does, I'm interested. Anything they're gonna do, like uh, that's why, like I said before, the Je- the, Luke saying the Jedi must end. I'm like, yes, go further. I want to know where this goes. This is interesting to me. And, just, the, and the expanded universe used to do that. We we definitely went gray, and and all kinds of crazy philosophies and so, schools of thought. And so I, I posed the question before of, well, at the end of Rebels, if it's gonna end with season four, who's gonna live? Who's gonna die? Because is Yoda gonna say, you know, when I'm gone, the last of the Jedi will you be? Does this mean that maybe Ezra and Kanan would survive if they develop a wider view of the Force? So they kind of turn their back on what being a Jedi means. You know, that's I don't know. That's a tough question. I I I think it's interesting that um, Kanan's sort of Force um, guide in season two ends up being like a sort of Jedi disembodied spirit version of of the inquisitor yeah you know what i mean yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's right there like the core of what being a jedi actually is about like can exist in a figure like that yeah as opposed to you know a mace windu or or someone that we think of as a prequel jedi you know right i think in the end like gray spectrum doesn't mean like this fusing of light and dark yeah, it yeah, just yeah. means like connectivity to the way life works third party can and and the the yeah exactly <laughs> that you know the, the i mean just what obi-wan says it's just you know it's the energy you know it, it's what binds us what binds the universe together it's yeah. just the way the life. way yoda says it's like oh it's the tree the rock yeah. the ship it's like that shit's not good or bad it just is it it's is. just you know yeah. uh i by the way i just found a note here that i made for myself during um during a panel that pablo hidalgo and dave filoni uh had talking about uh, basically Lucasfilm animation overall. Lots of crossover from Clone Wars talk and and Rebels talk. And I don't recall the actual quote. I was writing it down in a hurry, but I wrote down, saw allusions to changes in character made uh, So at the last minute. So if you go back and you watch that panel, I believe it was streamed, uh, then you will, you will maybe get a quote or two in there that will allude to some last minute changes for saw as well. Interesting. Just to further, further build up that case profile on right, what happened right. there. Um, uh, and yeah, so, so the, the, I mean, we don't know what, what happened with the Bendu. I don't know if we're going to see him again ever. I mean, he's pretty rooted to a planet that is, there's no reason anybody would ever come back to that. 
but and and very ambiguous ending although once again fans seem to really believe that he was dead i mean going back to the finale here i mean it it's i don't know i you you don't just you're not just a force you know force creature that disappears i mean it's typically like you know going into the you know the force but for the bendu i don't know what that necessarily means yeah that that could mean we we know so little about the Bendu. Yep. So very, very little about what on earth he is. How cool would it be if we got Last Jedi references to the Bendu? Yeah, if the ghost of him shows up. Well, I, I don't. I don't mean an appearance in them. <laughs> I mean, but I, I just like. I don't know. I, I just maybe Bendu's a force tree. <laughs> his antlers. Those are his antlers. It's not a tree. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it, it's, it's neat though. It's neat though what we've. You know, you know, in watching levels, in watching rebels, what we've learned that's going to aid in the narrative of episode eight. Like we're going to have a fuller experience from having watched rebels, weirdly enough, right? And understanding what you know what comes ahead. Um, we were pretty excited at the the prospect of the rebels going to Dantooine uh, immediately after this, but uh, it looks like they're not. Uh, we're going to talk about. Well, we could t- let's talk about Dantooine here. No, we shouldn't talk about Dantooine. Dantooine looks great, guys. They designed Dantooine for Rogue One. We'll talk about that in the Rogue One episode. Um, but in the trailer for uh, for season four of Rebels, they very clearly show Yavin a lot enough that uh, we're just not going to see Dantooine. Someone else, someone else hung out there. Maybe yeah, we'll some other cell. Yeah. Who knows? Some other. Yeah, I mean that's only. It must have been some other Rebel cell occupied Dantooine. A major Rebel cell, no doubt. What, maybe well, wherever... said it was. It looked like it had been abandoned for some time. Does some time mean six months, or does that mean eight years? Who knows? I mean, it might have been Belargana's. I mean, that. I mean, Leia is clearly aware of the Dantooine base. Yeah, obviously, yeah. I mean, that's the only way we know about well, it. Even if she only knows of it as a throwaway thing, where if they ever capture you and they want to know, tell them this. Just a little. Well, stall I, I mean, clearly they were there and they designed it for Rogue One. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was intended to be used as a rebel base at some point. Sure. Sure. But I think that that's probably because right now, I mean, we're still kind of separated from the, like, our rebels are still separated from the Bell Organa cell. Yeah. You know, who kind of started the Fulcrum Network and the Ahsoka novel. So that might be where they have been or where they are. Actually, I don't know. Bell Organa is probably at this point already on Yavin. Who knows? Maybe we'll find out. Maybe we will. And we know that there's an episode of the forthcoming uh, animated short series, Forces of Destiny, featuring... Uh, we're not sure where it takes place, but a short involving Ahsoka on uh, Yavin. That's such a big thing to say. I mean, don't you think everybody would have been doing the Ahsoka lives exclamation marks then? Yeah. I don't know. I the force it, could, be, but but we don't know when it takes place. It could take place before she's like, "All right, uh, I'm I'm off to go meet uh, the rebels on the ghost. I got to go save them at the end of like season two or whatever." I hope it's, it's just like, her walking around the Massasai temples, and then she goes, "Yeah, this will work as a base." And like that's the end. <laughs> and that's Roll it. Credits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or she says, "Yeah, it has like a little tune calls, to the force." Kind call, of thing, calls you know? calls Baragana yeah. and says, "Hey, this this place will work. Well, you can you can now leave Dantooine." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. It's weird because those temples and and the uh, some of the the mythology of them are explored in recent issues of dr afra oh awesome i, I actually I, I missed that about the expanded universe Aren't the old temp- temple lore. Sith temples uh yeah in the old canon for sure i have no idea i haven't read those issues well in this yet. case it takes them to an uh the the resting place of an, an ancient and long rumored uh order of old republic jedi called the order aspectu where oh. there's a whole bunch of crazy shit that's been going on and it's all i believe new old shit so they go like from some crazy Sith lore on Yavin to some crazy Jedi lore on Yavin. Well, and it's also ambiguous because there's two stories about how it went down, and, and no one if, no uh, one knows if it was really Sith time. or Jedi involved. Oh, time to get Exar Kun back. And, well, let's and, do it. And if uh, some of the events from Star Wars: The Old Republic Online are canon, there's a storyline where you got to go to Yavin and both the Sith and Jedi are there at the same time, and crazy shit happens. It's Exar Kun, the, the original double-bladed lightsaber user, predates Darth Maul. Uh, is he involved? With the one I'm talking about just then? Mm-hmm. No. Um, but 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 it's that takes place after Exar Kun, this thing, because like the Exar Kun is already a legend by the time... Well, yeah, but he was Republic. like an active Force ghost by the time Luke got there with his yeah, Jedi temple, yeah, yeah. so I figured maybe he could be They've talked about floating him, around not. as a spirit. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't see him. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So another major aspect of this 
part of the season was Thrawn and Callus in that storyline there where we see the debut of the TIE Interceptor. Not just Callus, though. Hot Callus. Hot Callus. It's true. Hot Callus. Because... Oh, God. I mean, are you not, you know, I saw it. I'm just like hot callus. I'm just like, here we go. It's going to be a thing. Now. Uh, no, no, it's, that, it's, it's already, already been. Yeah. The, the, the trending hashtag. Oh, it's already, uh, hashtag, already oh, hashtag yeah. hot callus. Yeah. Yep. Damn. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Hey, if you watch that trailer, he gets even hotter. So, <laughs> so like, cause rebel callus, rebel callus is real hot. Um, it turns out even with those gross ass mutton chops. <laughs> so, uh, callus of course is fulcrum and, we it was it was very tense. There were some really great episodes of of just like high tension when when Thrawn in all of his uh, empirical like thinking and problem solving realizes oh yes this traitor simply must be Agent Callus. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like no impossible. And Callus does such a good job being. You see him be a spy and he's really good at it. And if it was if he wasn't up against Thrawn, he would have been fine. Um, yeah, I never would have suspected him. Yeah, <laughs> and um. And I was really, I was really worried for him the whole time, yeah, and I, too. I hated this character when he started. I did, <laughs> I did not like him, but like he has really won me over. Yeah, it's, a, it's a good art. It's, you know, the sort of, I don't know. It's, it's a, to me, it's a much more mature, like type of conversion. You know, someone who's just like, you know, he still maintains that sort of like imperial, you know, sort of like rigidness, and like so far, this like the new canon is filled with. Um, people who just decide to to resist the empire as opposed to people who are in the system and see the atrocities and then just decide I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Like even like Wedge and all those uh, like imperial defectors they, they, still, they, they were trainees. See, they yeah. were trainees. They, they were training, they were learning to do bad things right. but they didn't do bad things. And we haven't gotten to meet people who are like hardened like proper Believers. military veterans who yeah. are just like you know what i can't do this anymore i'm gonna bring my leadership values to the other side which the old rebel alliance and the old canon was filled with that but in the current one it's a lot of people who are older already like general dodonna and people like that like you know it's kind of cool to see callus be like in the prime of his military career and just be like this isn't right mm-hmm. yeah and, and dodonna by the way gets introduced as a major character and huge character death and in, in terms of support staff uh, I don't remember his name actually. Uh, Admiral Sato. Yes, Admiral yep. Sato. Man, like the 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 Rebel Armada fleeing uh, Chopper Base was that was it. There was just terrible shit happening left yeah. and right. That was that was. I mean, Thrawn really threw the hammer down, and like you know, some Battle of Hoth like type repercussions of you know just being decimated. Yeah, really. yeah far worse than Hoth. Yeah, far worse. It's interesting. Um, Dave Filoni. I I don't know the source. I offhand, but he recently said that a lot of the apprehension in Rogue One about attacking Scarif yes. is because of Thrawn's relentless pursuit of the Rebel fleet. That and was at a panel at, at Well, it was at a panel. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a very interesting way to look at the the mindset during Rogue One. Like, oh man, look what happened at Chopper Base and presumably what happens to the Rebels in Season 4, I would yeah. assume. Cause it would also explain why they put such an emphasis on a shield generator on Hoth. That they can they can deflect that kind of bombardment. Right. It's like we, we we can't risk that again. Like let's put it all on this. And I now I gotta know why wasn't Thrawn leading the? I know why he wasn't leading the Death Star because that's not his command. But like, where was he at Hoth? Like, yeah, wh- what's gonna happen to that character? Right. Well, is, they, is it still canon that the Emperor doesn't really care for aliens? I, we don't know. We don't know. That xenophobia thing. I I've always thought that was a weak thing. Yeah. To me, it was always like a. Let's explain why there's so many humans. Yeah, and it's like they're xenophobic when, in fact, it's it's very difficult for production to have a bunch of humans and and or a bunch of aliens and. But I really right, think right, right. that Disney should have a star destroyer filled with lots of different types of alien imperial officers. Well, if they go the xenophobic route, they become easier to hate. I, I guess I just I don't know I just find it weak. I mean, look at look at the Rebel Alliance in the throne room at the end of A New Hope. They're xenophobic. There wasn't a single alien except the Wookiee in there. Uh, you know the helmets on. You know, oh no, it was whatever. all humans. Like, <laughs> Come on, they need to go back and special special edition that. Add some Twi'leks. Add some. I want Hera up on the stairs with Leia. Like, well, maybe they had. Maybe there's a special spot for the aliens that are too tall because otherwise you can't have a nice even thing. If you're standing there, it's like to see the opening, to see the you know ceremony. I want. I want, you, I want you, you turn at attention and then suddenly a big hairy carpet standing in your way. <laughs> I want Hera and and, and uh, CG Harrison Ford to have a conversation. And <laughs> Kanan and Luke to talk and like like show each other light 
lightsabers and yeah. I'll show you yours. You know, I, yeah. I, I just want to say it's been really bugging me. I feel like the act the actor who plays Hera would be a f- absolutely perfect one to one conversion of her character. Put some, put her in some green makeup, make it happen. She's great. Everybody loves her. She should have been on set during Rogue One. I think it's fucked up that she was. It would have been weird though, wouldn't it? It 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 would have been weird. I admittedly, but I will say I f- I feel like the entire cast could like fill that Dude, role. Freddie Prince could totally do it. Freddie Prince could like I want oh, yeah. I want Freddie Prince to be like if we get a flashback to like uh like um Jedi Luke's temple burning. I would love to see Freddie Prince Jr. Like, come just down. Just a World one shot like, as a flash sequence. Well, or just like like to like, come down and like have like a valiant fight holding off like one or two knights of Ren Damn, and then maybe dying wow. there. Like Freddie, he I could would pull lose that off. My mind. Like I would, yeah. I would literally be jumping up and down in the aisles. <laughs> like just like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And then, no, no, Kenan. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, to that end, though, during the fitting pr- end, he he has to score off against Kylo Ren and shit. God mm-hmm. damn. Uh, uh, oh. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Be so good, and what if Ezra's one of the Knights of Red? <gasps> Don't even suggest such a thing. <laughs> now he's Snoke. We already know this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, during the press conference um, for Rebels, uh, Dave Filoni did say that um, the uh, he he doesn't the, uh, he didn't offer up any like actual canonical reason why Hera wasn't present at the uh, at you know in Rogue One. You know why they called her, and he's like, but I like to think that they 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 knew that Hera. Would have been like, no, we have to listen to Jen. This is this is this is what we've got to do, and she would have already been oh, warming dude, up the ghost. That would have been the best. Like that's that's that would have been the only way to justify her being in the film. Like as I was like, ah, if she's just a cameo, it'd be weird because she's hum- she's you know like mm-hmm. live action, but whatever. But if you had her, even if it was just her voice in the back, being like, let her, you know, instead of let her speak, you know, no, like no. The, what is she proposing? What is she proposing? <laughs> let the girl speak. It's just God, it was awful. But if it was recognizable like that or if you just saw even if it was just in silhouette something man shit yeah he he thinks that she wasn't that they intentionally like excluded her from that they she was off on a mission they staged this meeting while she wasn't there because they knew what she, they as a general they knew what she was going to do they knew she would have already like formed her insurgency or whatever and gone off and done that she would have um, joined them, yeah. Yeah, which well, is why... Shit, that would have been cool, too, if the ghost lifts <laughs> off with Rogue One's, like, you know, Rogue One, we got your back. Yeah, but that would have given away way too much. If, well, if there's Ezra and Kanan, and, you know, oh, of course, like, you know. So, um... <laughs> so, so that... Then when they call Hera in afterwards, it's because Hera got in, and they're briefing her, and Hera's screaming at Mon Mothma, like, oh, how could you not believe Dude, her? <laughs> Seb was there, and he was just... He was the one being like, let her speak. <laughs> Cracks his knuckles. Yep. You know? Yes. Uh, all right, uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That would be awesome. <laughs> well, if we ever get you know extra footage of Rogue One, we can just uh, special we'll, we'll call up Steve and be like, "Hey, Steve, can we get, can we get a letter Honestly, speak real quick?" I would be okay if like like three of the final like six episodes of this se- of season four was like you know what they were doing during Meanwhile, Rogue One, yeah. yeah, essentially, and like you know all these weird kind of interconnected scenes with like you know maybe they Hera having a brief conversation with Jyn or so before she leaves or was something Wedge like supposed to, was Wedge supposed to be anywhere in rogue one like was he this was, has been spoken about and i don't remember what it was but did he do the attack on um not scarif on a, a i believe i heard he wedge, was not present. wedge was not at the battle of scarif but was he at the earlier one uh where uh oh. Orso was killed the bombing run and stuff like, that's a good question doug i don't think we know that at all hmm. i don't think we know that um should we talk about darth maul yeah, let's do it. He got put down like a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wanted. To it was sp- good. It was great, and and um, kind of har- like harkens back to a lot of the samurai aspect that George really loved in developing yeah. um the original the Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this was that type of showdown. Definitely, I was not expecting that. No, I was expecting some sort of like really over- flashy the yeah, fight very- to end all fights. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
and that was beautiful and that whole episode is beautiful i i would challenge anyone who felt frustrated by that episode which i can't understand to go back rewatch that episode turn up the volume on that episode and with like the haunting music and the visuals and just really look at like tatooine has never looked that alien and beautiful like that is a mystical holy planet maybe just by the fact that Obi-Wan's doing that training and Luke is there. I mean, that Tatooine has never been presented in, in that sort of way. Dave Filoni, like he, he was such a force behind with that episode. Like he just everything meticulously, they, he showed at, at celebration his, his like thumbnail storyboards for the, the fight sequence, mm. which originally had a couple more strokes, but he decided, no, no, it needs to be like, yep. you know, smooth. And, uh, in, in taking everything that, um, uh, Obi-Wan in many ways like taking what he learned from his master and doing it right and avenging it and you know like because Darth Maul was was a, a great loss for him like you know in loss of Qui-Gon and also a great victory because he was he was a Jedi who killed a Sith the first in so long to have done so right. and and then that was taken away from him and then it came back and then but he's he's now at peace and he and Maul are communicating in this weird way where Maul he he seems to be wanting to fight, but really he just wants to die. You know, really, I mean, absolutely. And that panel was great, where they talked about the like the difference between like Maul, who's obsessed with greed and like power, and like that never ends. You never cap out. And Obi Wan, who's literally given up everything, yeah, for living you know, in poverty. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, once again, that is not the Jedi Order of the prequels. Yeah, I mean, hearkening back to our discussion during our celebration episode, like. There's once again that middle ground that we're heading towards in Last Jedi where, you know, Obi-Wan puts down Maul, but then holds him in his arms just like Obi-Wan held Qui-Gon when he was dying. And Maul dies talking about the Chosen One just like Qui-Gon talks about the Chosen One while dying. And and for Maul, even though though Maul, like, was... Uh, an absolute like dog mongrel monster just killing machine when he first met him mm-hmm. maul has been through such a journey of like trying to overcome like in falling out of line with what with how the sith's teaching yeah, himself he's kind of even he's kind of like the sith are bullshit you know yeah like and he's still an awful creature an awful oh yeah an awful person hateful yeah but he still wants balance in the force he's still thinking of the chosen one and what could that mean and what's crazy is he dies saying he will avenge us both and you know what he's not wrong like Maul's like dark-sided sounding statement is not wrong. Like there is a balance that is about to be achieved with someone that is much more in connection with so, the so living. I wanted to get to that line force. specifically because I want to hear how you both interpreted that. I think that what essentially what 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 Maul is getting at with everything we've seen, you know, Last Jedi wise, and like you know all this sort of meta commentary on like what the Jedi were and what the Sith are is like Luke's vengeance will eventually be bringing things from polarized you know you know horrible dogma and like just ruthless corrupt you know but, but evil. why but why would uh why would maul think that obi-wan needs to be avenged because of what happened to him like he's not dead i think the jedi order betrayed him too i mean i think i think in a way like i that's why once again it's not an unheroic thing ahsoka walking away from the order mm-hmm. like Ahsoka is considered a character that is on like a journey path that has. Li- I mean, she's still a hero and she's literally left the order. Yeah, Kanan's never even gotten formal never training. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like Ezra is getting training by fire. Like you know, like these are and Kanan's and- making it up as he goes along. He and, really is. And Kanan, he's still they, learning too. Kanan, <laughs> Kanan says that Ezra is is greater and more naturally adept than he ever has been in his entire life, and yep. is, and fears that he can't teach him anymore. Well, that's another thing for those listening that haven't seen the panel of the cast for season four, like the season four sneak peek, like Freddie Prince Jr. has such a great grasp of what Kanan is going through and like the, the mental state that he's been through and where he's going. That I would highly recommend that you at least tune into like, you know, his answers, like some really great insightful stuff about, you know, how he sees Ezra, how he sees Sabine. Like, he's, he's still in character on Twitter. He's in character all the time. So. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, just some really terrific stuff. And there's like all the heroes of our current like Star Wars saga, like Nomad Obi-Wan, like, you know, Nomad Yoda, Kanan, who never got formal training, Ahsoka, who left the order voluntarily when she saw that they were all a bunch of hypocrites, like, you know, Luke that, you know, obviously like did not get real training. Like none of these people have been through the Jedi order. Yeah. You know, like I think 
we're all kind of, you know, so like I think that vengeance is sort of like saying like, <laughs> can you imagine Luke Skywalker learning the word Padawan? Was I Obi Wan's Padawan? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> with the hair and shit? <laughs> what is this? I ain't doing that. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a rat there. tail. Yeah, because you because I think Yoda doesn't like. He must grow the tail out of his face. Like no, I'm not doing that, Yoda. Yep. So it's I you know it's going away from institutionalism and things like that, and I think that is a great message for you know Star Wars should. You know, Star Wars reflected the time it was in as well. Mm. You know, it came out like kind of like right on the tail end of the Vietnam War and things like that. And, you know, anti-fascism and that sort of thing. And I think now a new message about like anti-dogma and institutionalism. Anti-division. And, 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 yeah. and, 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 and anti-fear and like, yeah, you know, like yeah. and that's rules. What and, like that's that's what we need. And I yeah. think Rebels is doing an amazing job doing that. And I think Last Jedi is about to do an amazing job doing that. Yeah. And it's going to it's going to be people are going to be surprised. I think <laughs> like anyone who hasn't been going on this ride with Rebels is going to be real surprised when they get to Last Jedi. Yep. It's going to be eye opening. Um, there was a great observation by Seth J. Albano on our Star Wars spoilers Facebook group, which if you, you can join, if uh, if you know, if you're OK with Star, Star Wars spoilers, he said, I saw I kind of saw the mall thing as suicide. He may have told Ezra, see you soon, but suicidal people people often never tell anybody what they're contemplating. Some hints. When uniting the holocrons, he was looking for hope. What else is a suicidal person looking for? In his lair on Dathomir, particularly on the portrait of Duchess uh, Satine, we see splashes of dried blood indicating that he's been cutting himself. The sheer desperation in his voice when he begs Ezra to be his brother indicates that he is, on some level, begging for his own life. The only genuine connection he ever had was to his real brother, and with Ezra's rejection, he will never get that back. Maul knew he was in no condition to face Obi-Wan, but he taunted Obi-Wan into drawing his weapon because he wanted to die on his own terms, trying to kill one of his enemies. The interesting part to me was the line, then he will avenge us. It shows that no matter how much he hated Obi-Wan, he knew that both of them shared a much bigger, much worse enemy that they were mutually powerless against. Yeah, it's beautiful. I think that's very valid. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Seth. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, like that's that one great. of like the all-star comments on that on that yeah, Facebook group ever. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that was terrific. Um, so, uh, yes, a, a great observation about the Brotherhood thing. Because guess what? They had to cut a lot of stuff from that episode for just timing and budget, and also for for the sake of compressing the the narrative so that people wouldn't have had to have watched Clone Wars that they could still relate to the story. And Maul was originally going to have visions of Satine and Savage do Oppress. Oh, wow. They, in oh, fact, why do they tell us these things? They, I want to see that. They built a model of Savage before they decided to cut it. <sighs> now, granted, fuck that guy's name. but Well, yeah. <laughs> Georgie, Georgie. Yeah, silly old George. <laughs> what if by see you soon, it meant he'll be a force ghost? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you imagine? I don't think... Maul is such damaged goods, he could never nah, attain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To he be was, fair, yeah. though, I mean... Well, other Sith have done it. I mean, Yoda. Yoda talked to Darth Bane's Force Ghost. I mean, in in the Clone Wars Netflix episodes, and uh, Darth Bane as voiced by Mark Hamill. <sighs> okay, never mind. <laughs> That's entirely possible. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think really the key to immortality in that sense is just like a connection with, like an actual connection to life, to the Force. I don't know if the Sith of that era maybe were able to. You know, yeah, sure, they're they're passionate, but and, what would and evil. Him, yeah, what would time? Because he kind of he want if he was seeking death, he's not seeking immortality uh, as a ghost. After you know, true. That brings us to season four, and right now we're not going to talk about the the episode. We're just going to talk about the stuff that um, well, that was was teased to us as as an audience. So teaser stuff, trailer stuff. So we've seen the trailer. The trailer's amazing. The trailer's way better than the last Jedi trailer mm-hmm. by a lot. <laughs> And um, it's it's gonna it's gonna hit you hard because especially knowing this is the last one, like it's you're just ready for somebody to die. And honestly, I don't have any good guesses as to who, except that we clearly Hera and Chopper are gonna be fine. Yeah, I don't know. I that man that Hera monologue in the beginning. I know she mentions Chopper like when she's describing all of them, but like that just really sounds like she's telling a story about the demise of her friends. <laughs> I hope that's not the case. Here's some shit that was teased. We've got a lot of Amanda stuff coming up. There's a strong indication we're going to see Boba Fett. Yeah, that w- that was interesting. A strong indication. Um, Mon Mothma is going to be there. And we're going to see more Mon Mothma, and she's going to be angry. We're going to see some U wings. In fact, the the still of Saw and Two Tubes was inside a U wing. Um, Warwick Davis. 
is <laughs> finally voicing a character in a Dave Filoni show. And uh, he's voicing a character who already existed, but has never existed in this new continuity. Admiral Thrawn's assassin, Rook. Or Rook. How do you, how you meant to say it? Yeah, it's it? like Rook. Rook, yeah. yeah it's like that. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, the Nogri. Yeah. That was his species. But you know, essentially, call him Thrawn's assassin. In the original continuity, or original expanded continuity, um, Thrawn inherited them from Vader after Vader was dead. Like, Vader employed them as his assassins. <laughs> as a matter of fact, when they met Leia, they were enamored with her. Because, like, she was Vader's daughter. Uh, so essentially, that's why they ended. I up remember kinda, that. Yeah, it's she, been a while. Yeah, they it's ended been up since it came out. Yeah, turning their backs on Thrawn because it was like, oh shit! Like we're actually because Vader sort of like inadvertently like kind of saved them, but it turned out it was like, he was kind of like misleading them. Like there was a bunch of Imperial tests on their planet, and mm-hmm. it destroyed their agriculture. And like Vader essentially just came in and was like had it stop, and they made it seem like he was their savior, but in actuality, he was like mm-hmm. you know he's Imperial. Mm-hmm. But if you see a pinkish purplish skinned creature in the trailer, that's that's Uruk. Um, We are going to see. We don't know why, but Rex, we saw we saw a turnaround of Rex in some kind of uh, indoor style gear. Well, I know why we saw it. That's that goes back to all those rumors from fans about his presence, possibly in Return of the Jedi. I don't know if you're you're aware of this. No, I'm not. I don't don't know. I don't. I'm not familiar with that fan theory. (laughs) What the the hell are you saying? If you guys remember when the rebel soldiers are hanging out on the side of the imperial bunker when they're getting drawn out, there is a older grizzled soldier with a white beard, (gasps) and it looks like Rex. Oh my god! And so fans have been like, "Oh, you could totally retcon this as Rex, and he made it to Endor, and he's leading the strike force with." General Solo. And we know that Hera's on Endor because she's in the Forces of Destiny. Right. Oh my god. Now now Pablo Hidalgo I like he tweeted something along the lines of like guys, nothing's canon, you know, like from that and then he was like yet. So like <laughs> it it might be something they're toying with, seeing if it works story-wise, you know, that sort of thing and like I'm all for it. Like I think that's a great. I mean, he should be at Endor leading the strike mission. I mean, that's a that's also kind of a beautiful thing that he's there for the Empire's defeat. I'm going to show Cap a picture of the guy in question in Return of the Jedi. I remember him. Yep. Oh man, that would just uh that yeah. would, oh man. So that's why when they put up that, you know, picture and there was just like, "Oh shit, that's the outfit." <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's a side by side. Oh man, it's oh, pretty convincing. <laughs> I have to say, that's like, make it happen, Dave. Make it happen. <laughs> I mean, why would they give Rex a beard that's identical? Oh, like, identical God. to this guy's beard. Please make it happen. Uh, Wolf and Gregor might come back in the season. I hope so. They should. Also, there were originally going to be nine clone troopers left over. Oh, as a as a weird uh, sort of nod to the nine old men of Disney. Oh. But what eventually slashed that number was the production was like we can't we can't we can't afford that we yeah. too many people yeah. stop it I know they're clones but come on yeah. they're all different <laughs> so um, let's see is that is that is that all the stuff before we um, I guess what we, what we could say is that uh, Dave said that each generation needs to have their own story and a meaningful arc so this is the most meaningful arc and if basically if he kept going it would not nothing would ever compare to what he's about to do. And so the show ends, but, you know, we reported, and as, as did many other people, that Dave Filoni was moving on to another show, and the reality is, is that he's moving on to another show because there's another show after Rebels, and Rebels is ending, and therefore, he was not, he was just moving on to the next project, and no one knew. I have so many mixed feelings about that. We'll see what happens. Yeah. It, uh, Rebels has been very successful, and a natural continuation seems like maybe a safe bet something thematically associated, something associated with some crossover characters, or maybe something brand new. He did want to do that show about uh, Imperial pilots, but mm-hmm. we'll see. I just also got to say, if that ends up being Rex on Endor, that probably would seal the deal on me watching The Clone Wars. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Man, he's seen some shit. Yeah. I would like, I got to see what he's seen. <laughs> so now, it's time to open the blast doors. Open the blast doors. Open the blast doors. All right, so... Here we are. We're going to tell you everything we saw in the first episode of Rebel Season 4. There's character deaths. Shit gets real. 
it's fascinating. The entire thing takes place on Mandalore, and something they've been teasing for a while comes back to bite one of our main characters in the ass. I just a footnote for those that were expanded universe junkies. There's a weird reference. So Mandalore had ended up with some very rich, thorough history, mostly due to Karen Travis. Like she was, she like created this whole subsect essentially from her works in the Republic Commando series of like, I mean, these Fandalorians, like just, I mean, Mando culture and language and their planet and how they were like agrarian warriors and like, you know, you could be adopted into them and like essentially like, you know, where were the clones' place within this social structure? Because they never like grew up there and they weren't, you know, real men. All this kinds of very interesting thoughts and ideas. But then George Lucas, while Clone Wars was going on, was just like, you're going to Mandalore and it doesn't look like the Mandalore of Karen Travis's agrarian farm warrior culture it looks like a bunch of cube-shaped cities that are inside domes and it's a wasteland environment and that was like karen travis quit star wars she's like i'm never writing for you guys again like she was out i mean he he basically uh, obliterated everything she'd been working on everything she'd found in her career yeah on. this yes this might have been like the worst of the like clone wars did a lot to overwrite a lot of expanded lore this was the the most you know impactful there's a reference in this episode of saying of, of Ezra actually asking about Mandalore and the planet and how it's kind of a wasteland and and, and like Sabine says like it used to be like you know a beautiful you know like grassy planet and then the warring Mandalorian factions just you know for hundreds of years ago just wiped out mm-hmm. everything and like I just the the wording of it just seemed to be a perfect like. Like, basically, they were saying, like, there's some truth in legends, that sort of thing that they've always gone on about. But it was specifically, I feel like, about the weird Star Wars community infighting about what happened to Mandalore. So it was a very interesting, like, tidbit oh, thrown in there. Yeah. Like, it was it was really cool. And an opportunity to tell stories on the Ma- the original Mandalore. Right. Some yeah. Sometime in the past. some Someday. Maybe she'll come back. Yeah. Well, like all that Old Republic stuff. Yeah. That yeah. they hint about. Anyway. So there's their their goal is to uh, it's a full scale assault on a prison on Mandalore. The goal is to rescue Sabine's father, right? Who turns out is actually an artist, which is an extremely dangerous position. <laughs> He's going to be executed, and uh, it was a trap. It's a, a great battle. Ezra doesn't know how to use a jetpack, um, and uh, hijinks ensue. It, it was the most like. I don't know. I feel like most the most action choreographed scene that I've seen in Rebels since like the premiere, or I don't even know, maybe not the premiere, but when they when they're trying to break out Ezra's friends from the Imperial transport on Lethal, the prison transport, mm. like it was just very like very reminiscent of Indiana Jones and Last Crusade. Mm. Like it was essentially like attacking the tanks and the, or, the horses or and, Willow actually in the the Battle of Nakmar. There's like because there's it's a it's a it's a raised like platform thing and there's several battles happening in several different angles and they interplay Get between that characters. Willow influence. Yeah. Right. And then well, they even do the the for from Last Crusade like they have tanks going over the cliff mm-hmm. at the end like you know the sort of you yeah. know breaking out prisoners like yeah. and that indie moment of like whether or not he made it made you it know, or not, yeah. like it was I it was a great sequence. The action in this episode was was awesome. Yeah, actually there was because there's two sequences. We're what we started with was the the sequence on the prison and then there's actually um Turns out he's not there. It was right. a, it was a trick, and so he, his, um, uh, Sabine's mom and her brother are fighting somewhere else, creating like basically a, a big problem to stop the prison transport from getting to the city where her father's going to be executed. So they get diverted, and the rest of the rebels then further divert them off a cliff, mm-hmm. um, kind of after having assaulted them. And my, I had this, the same thought you did during this. We haven't spoken about this at all, but right. like the 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 action on these pl- prison transports was so complicated. I was like, wow, they must have spent so much time boarding this because yep. there's three separate things with different things happening with different people in different places. It was amazing. It was it was one of one of the most like creatively and technically impressive episodes I've seen. I, I really enjoyed it from that aspect. Like I still don't know what is going on in Mandalore that it's so important that they're helping out. Like, I don't know, like if there was some deal made considering the help that was given after um, the chopper base evacuation or something, but like, yeah, it was really, and something I noticed Ezra 
this might be the first time Ezra's like volunteered to do something or said he's going to do something and none of the other characters question like they're like somebody has to do this you know to get the prisoner transfer and Ezra's like sounds like a job for me and like Kanan and Sabine are just like you know nobody questions him anymore like he's become like a full-fledged hero Reliable. of the rebellion. Yeah. He's, he's not he's not going to be hot-tempered anymore doing something else or Right. Yeah. And, and he steps up in the biggest way possible. Yep. Like he 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 goes off the cliff with with Sabine's dad like in the thing he's rescuing him. He puts his own jetpack on that guy, sends him up, and then Ezra takes this huge risk and force jumps himself off of these different transports as they're catapulting into a chasm. Hmm. And the action is incredible. Yep. I mean, very thrilling episode. Yeah, like, it was. I mean, Ezra's really become. He's gone from. I, they mentioned it during the panel. You shouldn't like, you know, or actually, it was mentioned. Actually, I believe during the heroine panel about Ahsoka, that like you shouldn't like characters immediately because then you know you can't grow up with them. You can't, you know, that sort of like you know that Ahsoka was very jarring at first. Ezra was too, but now Ezra's become a very complete, reliable character. Mm-hmm. And this episode, I think, even though it wasn't directly about him might have showcased him in the in the best way possible i mean his his showing in the premiere of season three was also great yeah but that was in sort of like a conflicted way this is a much more self-assured ezra that like i mean hero of the rebellion Ezra. yes yeah yeah it's it's pretty great so now all that that's all fun and games but yeah. there's there's also at, at the uh, at the prison segment a surprise shows up yeah a uh, character for returning from clone wars bo katan who was Pre Visla's uh, lieutenant with the Death Watch, but was also like Satine's sister. Satine's sister. So she was working during Clone Wars with the Bad Mandalorians, and then ended up kind of aligning with Darth Maul when um, when he kind of formed the Coalition, the Shadow Collective, or whatever it was. I believe the Shadow Collective, and. You know, Pre Visla and Bo Katan and Darth Maul and a couple other Black Sun and a couple other criminal groups and Darth Maul essentially occupied Mandalore. And then after Satine was assassinated by Maul, like I guess Bo Katan's like a- allegiances started to shift and it kind of like it kind of ended there for her. And she's been gone for a while. She showed back up in this premiere, which is very exciting for Clone Wars. Fans Under the command was, of uh, of Sabine's mom. Yes. Like, go help my daughter do this thing right and so like her character has gone through an interesting redemption of like being death watch to being you know sort of like conflicted about where she allies with family and now being like a once again fighting for the freedom of mandalore just from the empire instead of the republic i guess but um uh i guess we should start talking about the big the big ending yeah um Towards the end, there's during Satine's or I'm sorry, Sabine's mom's uh, diversion. Suddenly, she hears some audio, some sounds over the comm link, and and her mom was just like, you know, we're, we're cleaning up here, like it'll be over soon. Yeah, like, they're, they're on, they're on they're, the empire's on the retreat, <laughs> except for this one walker. Let's go take care of it, which always is very ominous. And then all of a sudden, Satine starts to notice. Or, I'm sorry, I keep doing it, Sabine. <laughs> Starts to notice the sound coming over the comm link. Starts telling her mom to get the hell out of there. And then, giant explosion off screen. Like, we're talking like mother of all bombs explosion. <laughs> and uh, they head over there. And there's been complete and utter disintegrations. No bodies. Armor. Like, like armor. Parts of armor. Yeah. Like, like nothing Scorch survived marks this. across the already scorched landscape. Yeah. The, some, the white sand is black. Yeah. Some creepy, like, nuclear fallout type beam a nuclear beam yeah and then it's revealed right at the end that sabine she said she knew the weapon because she created it and that's where we end part one so apparently sabine is some sort of like munitions like yeah we knew we knew that she she did she did something she really regretted in the academy right and she left because she couldn't understand she couldn't handle the repercussions and now we know that she's got like a Oppenheimer complex going on. Yeah, and 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 Ezra jokes early in the episode, like, "Man, you, you, explosions really ru- like uh, run in your family." And and, and yeah, no yeah. shit. Yeah, she made she made like a planet a planetary like Death Star beam, basically. Yeah. It seems. And I I 
curious how they're going to handle that over yeah. one season. Yeah, because they, they have to, like, now they, they've acknowledged the existence of this technology that the Imperials have, like, refined and perfected what she started, because I'm sure she tried to sabotage it. Um, and now they have to take that away, because the Empire can't have that in mass. Right. They don't have that in mass. So what is it? <laughs> what is it? How does it work? How are they going to take that off the board? We don't know. And it's awful. And uh, it ends with her, you know, like having just gotten back her father, uh, mourning the loss of her mother. They, Her father and mother hadn't seen each other in a very long time. Yeah, that's some messed that's, up poetic. That's like, painful and oof, awful. Man. I much more adult than I was expecting that Rebels. Uh, you know, Rebels tends to take the, the you know, kiddier route in some of these things but this episode did not in the slightest and i don't think the season is going to <laughs> no. like the way feloni talked about like the arc having and doing things that he's never gotten the chance to do before like with fin- this finish a show yeah like finish <laughs> a show yeah so it'll be exciting to see how it all plays out yeah so that's that and i think that's probably all we got to say on the matter yeah we'll see you in a short while with more Star Wars news as it comes and uh, our Rogue One recap featuring all the new things we've learned and our, our impressions months later after the film is released. And theories about how Cassian Andor is connected to Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> Great character. <laughs> he obsesses me. Yabba, come on, touching his, you know, like his belly, like, oh, I'm so tempted. The texture of Yabba is something I, I need to discover.